How many of you have ever been to the mountains? I see some hands going up. So I want to kind of start there this morning, and I want us to kind of think about mountains. Mountains. What are they? How do you get there? And one of the things I'll tell you is it involves a journey, right? If we were to go to the Great Smoky Mountains, it would be a journey. My father-in-law, George, he loves the mountains. He loves Asheville. And so he had been begging us for years that we to try to get us up there, right? And I'll tell you what, it was such a beautiful time. And so this morning as I preach and teach on Psalm 11, I want you to just have in your mind those mountains. And if you've been to the mountains or you can envision a mountain in your mind, I want you to think about what it looks like. I want, to, I want you to think about what it took to get there. I want you to think about um, some of the issues that you may have seen, some of the blessings that you may have seen along that way. And so I'm going to invite you this morning to take your copy of God's Word, and we're going to turn to Psalm 11, so about the middle of your Bible, the book of Psalms. And I want you to turn to Psalm chapter 11. Also, as I said, I preach and teach from the ESV each and every week. And so this week, as I'm preaching and teaching through this particular psalm, it is in your bulletin. So if you will open your uh, bulletin, if you'll turn there in the middle section, you will see uh, Psalm 11. And so as we start... I just want to give you a little bit of background. I want to give you a little bit of background before we dive into Psalm 11. So first and foremost, um, in our Bibles, or in, in my Bible, it says that this is, uh, it has an inscription over the top, and it says, The Lord is in His holy temple to the choir master of David. So what does that tell us? Well, the, the Lord is in His holy temple is kind of a thought there that you've got to go along with this psalm. The... Um, to the choir master, you could say that's the chief musician, the chief musician. And then of David tells us that David was the writer of this psalm. For those of you that don't know, the book of Psalms is basically the early church's hymnal. It was their praise book. It was what they sang off of. So if you think some Sunday mornings that, oh my gosh, how do we sing this song that we're supposed to be singing right now? Imagine if we just said, open up to Psalm 83 and that's what we're going to sing. Right? It would be a little difficult because we don't know the tune, we don't know those things. But that's what the book of Psalms was. And, and they're also beautiful pictures. As, as I preached on Psalm chapter 10 a while back, we see that the psalmists are raw and real with the Lord. Right, As they walk through the valley, as they walk through life, as they walk through trials, they don't hold back. And you'll see that this morning as we preach through Psalm chapter 11. So I want to tell you that the theme this morning is... Is trust. The theme of this psalm is trust and that you can have confidence in God in the face of danger. Psalm 11 is a statement of a man of uncompromising faith. So as we read this, as, as, as we're reading David's words, hear that, that he, you'll hear that he is a man of uncompromising faith. Psalms such as these seem to belong in a period when David was hiding from Saul. That's in 1 Samuel chapter 18 through 26. 
So we see that, then that's what scholars believe. And then, we, I read this as I was studying. It says, what is definite about this psalm is a trusting faith which will neither be neither fragmented nor intimidated. It is a realistic faith which seeks no escape from the world, but meets it as it is in the knowledge that it is not met alone or without the resources of the highest order. Right? The psalmist is not going through these things alone, but he is remembering the Lord. So let's take a look at Psalm 11 and let's read this together. I will go back and, and I will preach and teach um, to you these particular verses, Lord willing. In the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, flee like a bird to your mountain? For behold, the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see, his eyelids test the children of man. The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Let him rain coals on the wicked, fire and sulfur, and a scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous, for he loves righteous deeds. The upright shall behold his face. Lord of God, may your words speak. Amen. So I just want to begin, and I want to step you through just one step at a time through this particular psalm of David. First and foremost, if you'll notice as he begins this psalm, he says, In the Lord I take refuge. Semicolon. He is coming out of the box in this particular psalm, and he is making a bold statement. He's saying, in the Lord I take refuge. What does that mean? It means that he's telling us that in the Lord he's taking refuge. And in, in, in that refuge is he's seeking the Lord for his protection, and that is where he is putting his trust. He's coming out of the box as he begins this particular psalm to us, as, as he is inspired by God to write this, and he's saying, In the Lord I take refuge. In the Lord I take refuge. And so I want to ask you this morning where do you run for your protection? Where do you run for your protection? And where do you put your trust? Where do you put your trust? And then I don't know about you, but as I was reading this, I, I see almost an immediate shift. As we, as we see that semicolon, in the Lord I take refuge, there, there's, this, there's this shift and he says, how can you say to my soul? How can you say to my soul, who is you? See, friends, as we slow down long enough to just spend time in God's word, he will, he will awaken us, he will aliven our hearts, and then we can dig deeper. And so to me, I'm like, who is David talking to? Why did David ha say, how can you say to my soul? Listen, he's talking to his friends. He's talking to his friends. And he's saying to his soul. He's not talking about, he's talking personally about his soul. Listen, friends don't always have your best interest at heart. Friends don't always have your best interest 
at heart. So he says, how can you say to my soul? And look at what they're saying, because there's quotation marks. So he, he's, he's kind of what they've said to him. And they say, flee like a bird to your mountain. Flee like a bird to your mountain. See, in life, I don't know about you, but a lot of times it's fight or flight. Fight or flight. Right? When you're hit on, face on with, a, with some tragedy, when you're hit in the face with that disparaging next text message or phone call or someone who is pushing against you and what you're trying to do, you either fight or you'll flee. A few years ago, I was at a preaching conference and for some odd reason, I wrote down in my notes, which I have then included and put it on my wall by my desk, and I wrote three words or three phrases and then wrote some nuggets of wisdom underneath that. And so this is what I wrote. I wrote, fret not, flee not, fear not. Fret not, flee not, fear not. See, under fret not, I wrote that when we fret... It's contagious. Right? Have you ever been around somebody who's fretting, who's a worry wart? You know, have you ever been around that person? It just gets you down, but then it's like, oh, well, wait a second. I didn't think about that. So, okay, let me start. So it's contagious. Fret not. Flee not. Wrote this question. What will we miss by moving too soon? What will we miss by moving too soon? Flee not. Flee not. Sometimes you're not meant to flee. Amen? Sometimes you have to take a stance for the Lord. Sometimes you have to take a stance for what you believe in. You have to take a stance in your convictions. You have to stand on the Word of God. And then fear not. Fear not. That's easy to say, but it's harder to live out. But can I remind you this morning that over and over again throughout Scripture... Whether it's God speaking to us, whether it's angels speaking to men, which we have their account. He always came and said, fear not. Fear not. Over and over again, he said, fear not. Flee like a bird to your mountain. Let me back up for a second. As we were talking about friends and how friends don't always have your best interests at heart. You see, another thing I want you to know is you may have to move away from your friends to get closer to God. Flee to your mountain. No, you may have to move clo- you ha- may have to move away from your friends to get closer to God. As I see this picture that David's giving us, flee like a bird to your mountain. I don't know about you, but you can't just fly over it. You have to go through it. You, you have to go through it. See, listen, friends, if you don't walk with God in the valley, you won't recognize Him on the mountaintop. If you don't walk with God in the valley, you won't know Him on the mountaintop. But can I remind you this morning that before you enter the valley, it starts before there. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. 
Can God meet you in the valley? Yes. Can God meet you on the path of life? Yes. Can God meet you on the mountaintop? Yes. But can I remind you this morning that we were not made to be mountaintop people. We were not made to live on the mountaintop. It is through the valleys that we get to know the Lord that our faith is sharpened, that we begin to trust in Him because it is a journey that He has ordained. This morning, if, if anything else, I am preaching to myself. This morning, as I mentioned to you about our team, our marketing team, that we had 14 more people than we do positions. I'm one of those 14 people, right? I'm one of those 50-something people that do not have jobs. I got pulled into a meeting prior to our big team meeting, and they said, your job title, your job position is not on the reorganization chart. And can I tell you something this morning? And this is not to make much of Chris. It is to make much of the Lord and the Holy Spirit. Weeks ago, weeks ago, the Holy Spirit whispered, Get your ministry resume together. Get your resume together. So when they brought me into that meeting, I was—I have been walking with the Lord. Praise God that I have been in a season where I'm studying His Word, probably more, more focused than I have in any other time in the last few months. And so when they brought me into that meeting and they said, listen, your position is not on the org chart. There's only going to be one position in Sumter and you'd have to commute if you want. If, if you can apply, we see you applying. But can I tell you in that moment, I indeed had a peace that surpasses all understanding. Why? Because I was walking with the Lord before I even got in the valley. And can I tell you where we are at today? That since 2013, I took some youth on a youth retreat. I don't even remember where we went. I could have to, I have to look at the notebook that I had. But when I was preparing my resume and writing my cover sheet, I just happened to turn around and pick that up. And I don't know why I picked that up off of my shelf of all of my other notebooks. But I picked it up and I read it. And in 2013 on that youth retreat, I asked them a question. Basically somewhere along the lines of this. If you could do anything for God and, and failure didn't matter, what would you do? And I wrote and I answered that question as I encouraged them. And my answer in that notebook from 2013 was be in full-time ministry. You see, friends, God has been breaking, molding, and making me into the man that he would have me to be since 2013. And so I'm here this morning to tell you that if you don't walk with God on the daily path, if you don't walk with God through the valley, then you will not know him on the mountaintop. Will he take you to the mountaintop? Yes, he will. But it's through the valley, it's through knowing and trusting Him that He is by your side. As we've told people and we've prayed, we're not hopeless. The more family is not hopeless, we are hopeful. And we have seen God move time and time again. And so we're stepping out on faith. To give you a quick update, I'm not applying for any of the other positions. I've decided to begin my severance negotiation. And we're taking a step of faith and saying, God, do it again. You've provided time and time again. Provide. And we're trusting in Him. So if anything this morning, God, if I could just speak to the Lord for a minute. If there's anything, Lord, this morning 
You divinely appointed me to preach Psalm 11 because you knew this was coming. And we have to walk with you through the valley on the way to the mountaintop. Then we see in verse 2 it transitions and it says, For behold, the wicked bend their bow. They have fitted their arrow to the string. They shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. Well, first off, he says, For behold, the wicked. Who are the wicked? The wicked are those who oppose God's way and God's people. That's pretty simple. Right? That's who he's defining the wicked as. And so this morning, I want to also, as I mentioned, because I look at different translations. I, I enjoy reading them. I enjoy hearing what they have to say. I, I have some solid ones that I look at, which were the ones that we talked about this morning. But listen to how the New Living Translation translates verse 2. The wicked are stringing their bows and fitting their arrows on the bowstrings. They shoot from the shadows at those whose heart are right. ESV says they shoot in the dark, but the shadows. They shoot from the shadows at those who heart are right. Can I tell you this morning that that is a picture of a coward? That the enemy is a coward. Because they're not going to just come out and say, whoop, here you coming for you. It says, no, what? They're coming. They're, they're shooting from the shadows. You don't see them. Their string is, they pulled their bow back. They're ready. You don't see them, but they're getting ready to shoot that arrow, that dart, that fiery trial your way. The enemy is a coward. His messengers are cowards. Then we see in verse 3, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Friends, foundations matter. Foundations matter. What is your life built on? What is your life built on this morning? What is your marriage built on? What are your relationships built on? What are you building on? Verse 4. The Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see and His eyelids test the children of man. What a great reminder this morning, friends, that David is reminding you, he's reminding me, that the Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. He's not asleep. He's not slumbered. He is there and He is interceding on our behalf. Jesus is sitting beside the Father. As we prayed this morning for Rosalind, as we prayed for Smokey and Hazel, as we prayed for uh, Sam and Betsy and for their sister Marty and her family, our, our, our prayers aren't just hitting the ceiling and bouncing back down. No, they're going to our Heavenly Father. They're going to Jesus Christ who's interceding on our behalf to His Father about what is our heart's desire. And so what a great reminder this morning that the Lord is in His holy temple and the Lord's throne is in heaven. Then we see that His eyes see. So thank God that He does see. Now, we're not going to go into this today. We don't have enough time to do this. This is another study for another day. But sometimes you read things in Scripture and you say, what? Like, really, Lord, what are you trying to say? He says in here that His eyes see and His eyelids test the children of man. 
What does that mean? The King James says his eyelids try. Eugene Patterson in the message say his eyelids are unblinking. I don't know. I don't know exactly what that means, but I know from just before that that he says that his eyes see. So as we go through life, as we go through the valley, as we go through trials, as we go through what we're going to go through, know this, that the Lord sees it all. Amen? He sees. He knows. It doesn't catch him off guard, just like this week when I went into that meeting and and I got told that, you know, there was only one position Sumter. That didn't catch the Lord off guard. Amen? He, he knew that was coming, and he was preparing my heart, thank God. And as I told Miss Betsy this morning, as we were having a time of catching up and, and prayed together, you know, my job has now shifted. I, I, I know where my hope is. I know that God is going to provide. And so I want to be a Barnabas. I want to be an encourager to those other 13 team members and those other team members that are applying for jobs who are scared. I want to go in and I have already done in some emails and said, listen, I am praying for you. Here's my email address. Here's my phone number. If I can pray specific for you, specifically for you, please call me. You know what? One of them did. So praise God that I was able to love and encourage her. When I sat down at the table with the HR representative here in Sumter, we had a great talk. She seems to, that she has my best interest at heart. I am trusting her in that. And at the end of that meeting, I said, listen, I said, can I, can I pray for you? Can I just pray for this situation? She said, absolutely. So if anything, God is using this as an opportunity to take people who may be far from God and point them to Him. Amen? So I want to be a Barnabas. I want to be an encourager because I'm not hopeless. I am hopeful. Verse 5. The Lord tests the righteous, but His soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. The Lord tests the righteous. Friends, He does not give us a path. He does not give us a pass. He does not give us a pass. As we looked, as we were studying recently, as we were studying in James, James chapter 1 immediately comes to mind. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith and without doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Listen, the Lord tests the righteous. If you're walking with God and you're seeking the things of God, trials will come your way. Tests will come your way. Tragedy will come your way. But can I remind you, as Paul reminds us, that God comforts us so that we may comfort others. What you're going through today, we talked about foundations. What is, what is your life built on? Is it built on a life of trusting God and walking with Him? No matter whether you're on the, 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 the broad path, the, the, the even-killed thing, or He says, hey, I'm going to take you down here. We're going to go through the valley, and I'm going to bring you up into the mountain. I'm going to show you the mountaintop, but you've got to go through the valley, but you're not going going alone. I'm going with you. He tests us. Verse 6, let him 
Rain coals on the wicked, fire and sulfur, and a scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. Listen, those three things, as, as David is writing, you know, he, he, we see and we hear, he, he's talking back to Sodom and Gomorrah, right? The wicked, don't you worry about what's going on, the wicked and those things. You pray for those people. You pray for their salvation. You pray that they might come to know the Lord. But listen, it's not your place to worry about their punishment, right? The Lord even says, you know, that that's on him. That's on Him. You, you pray for Him. You know that they're there. You walk closer to the Lord instead of worrying about what they're doing. And you seek Him. Because the Lord is righteous. He will, um, he will, pay. He will make them pay for their evil. And then we see in verse 7. We see in verse 7. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteous deeds. And the upright shall see his face. Friends, there is hope. There is hope this morning. Who, who is, what is, what does it mean to be righteous? What does it mean to be righteous? It means to be right. It means to be just. It means to be right with God. We see in, in Malachi, we see in Malachi right before we get to the break of the Old Testament and God is silent for 300 years. In Malachi, we see an important verse verse uh, Malachi 3:18 and he says then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him friends there is wickedness and there is righteous okay there is right and there is wrong regardless of what the world tells us today there is right and there is wrong amen people want to live in the middle and say well no they, this is kind of right and this is kind of wrong because they're trying to justify their way of life but there is a right way and there is a wrong way we see that and we're thankful that our heavenly father is righteous. He is just. But listen, so not only are is, uh, can we be made right with God, we're made right only through Christ. In the New Testament, in 2 Corinthians, as Paul is writing his second letter to the church at Corinth, we see in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, he says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. That's the only way you and I will become righteous. It's not our Sunday school attendance. It's not putting money in the offering plate. It's not attending church faithfully every week. It's not going out and loving the poor. It is only, we are only made righteous by Jesus, by the blood of the lamb, by the perfect lamb who shed his blood for you and for me. It is grace through faith that we are saved not of ourselves, so that no one can boast. But I want you to see what Paul says in verse 20. See, you can't miss the. So see, if you say, oh yeah, I believe Jesus. Oh yeah, I'm not walking through the valley right now. Well, listen, in verse 20, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Friends, each and every one of us have a job. And that job is to make much of Jesus. It is to point people to Jesus. As we go through our trials, I, I'm going to 
tell something Miss Betsy said this morning. Somebody came up to her and said, well, Betsy, you sure are holding it together real well. But she says, well, that's because I choose when I'm going to have my breakdowns. And she says she has broken down and she has been on her face before the Lord. But you know what? She does that. And when she pours out her heart, somehow or another, she pours out her heart before the Lord that she is strengthened again. She's able to get back up and she's able to continue to go. Why? Because he is with her. He is with her. Friends, this morning there is hope. Keep seeking Jesus. Keep reflecting Jesus. Keep loving like Jesus. Keep forgiving like Jesus. As we close this morning, I want to ask you, how do you apply this text? How do you apply what we talked about? Well, I forgot this. When you're right with God, people know it. Your life will match God's commands. It will match His love and it will match His purpose that He has for your life. There will be actions based on your love and your relationship with Him. And so this morning, can I invite you to assess your relationship with the Lord? Can I invite you to assess the relationship, your relationship with the Lord? You know, as you think about your relationship with the Lord this morning... Is it an afterthought? Is it like, hey, I got my hell insurance. I got Jesus in this little box like they put fire extinguishers. And I'm going to put you up here. I got my little Jesus box. And I'm only going to break it in case of emergency. I'm only going to pull Jesus out when I need him. Are you seeking him daily? Because remember, we said this morning that if you don't walk with God through the valley, you won't recognize him on the mountaintops and unfortunately the mountaintops are beautiful and we can see long ways and we can see all that God has created and it's beautiful and it's breathtaking but we weren't meant to stay there we're meant to journey through life we're going to go through the valley we're going to be helping other people as they go through the valley but are we making much of Jesus. Are we pointing other people to Jesus? You see, friends, in trying times, God can be trusted. In trying times, God can be trusted. And so this morning, I invite you, in this time of, uh, uh, as we sing and as we close out, I invite you to trust Him. What does that trust look like? Maybe it's taking a next step that that you're entering into a Sunday school class or that you're coming on Wednesday night to pray with other people. Or maybe it's you're going to pick up your Bible this week and and you're going to find and you're going to read a psalm. You're going to go to Proverbs and when it's the 28th day, you read Proverbs 20. I don't know what it is, but begin to trust Him. And I close with this quote that I keep on my desk that is such a great reminder. You see, friends, the ultimate measure, this is Martin Luther King Jr. quote, and he said this, he said, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. Can I ask you this morning, when you're pressed, what comes out? When you're pressed, what comes out? Because when the trials of life come, 
and your back is up against the wall, or you're not getting your way, what's on the inside comes out. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much that you love us. God, that you don't ask us to journey through life without you, that you want and desire a relationship with us. So God, I thank you so much that you are a God of the valley. Lord, that you walk with us. If we just invite you and we just have a relationship with you, if we'll just get to know you, God, when you take us to the mountaintops, it will be oh so much sweeter because we know you. And you've been preparing that for us and you will help us to see what we need to be seeing. But God, I pray for those this morning who are walking through the valley. Wherever it might be, it might be in their relationship, it might be in their marriage, it might be in their job, it might be in their walk with you, it might be in something that I have no clue and can't even begin to imagine, but God, you know it. And so I pray this morning that your peace, your presence would be felt, that they would turn and look to you and invite you to join them on the journey, that you may show them what you need them to see as they go through the valley. Father, I pray if maybe somebody's not in the valley, maybe they might get off the path and and go and join their brother or sister in Christ who's on in the valley to love and to encourage them, to step aside those, as we've already mentioned today, that are sick and in the hospital, who are shut in, Lord, who are going through trials. Lord, may we just try to reflect you in what we do. Father, I thank you. I love you. I'm trusting you. Do it again. Father, as we open this service, we prayed and asked for a move of God. Father, that's my heart's desire that these, your people, would be revived, that they would be on fire for you to go out and to make much of you, to point others to you. God, as we sang this morning, there is, you have called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Thank you. Guide us. Guide our path, as your word says. Be a lamp unto my path and to my feet. Help us to see clearly what it is you need us to do this week. And may we seek you before our feet hit the ground. And praise you when our heads lay down. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.